politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to guard our life, liberty, property once again to the CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Hurwitz, back here May 2nd already, brand new week, brand new month. But old issues, old issues with a new twist. Um, old issues relative to the last two years, but they are new in humanity because what we are dealing with is even beyond life, liberty, and property. We are dealing with transhumanism. Transhumanism. Global oligarchs and psychopaths that control the world, influence the world, who believe that it's their job to literally control our bodies, minds. And I'm not going to tell you we didn't have this before in history, but what we didn't have in history was this sort of evil mixed with the technology and the global synergistic control to implement it. So in the past, you had nation states that arose, um, dictators that arose that were evil. Uh, you didn't have it at a global uh, sense. You didn't have globalists like you have today where they work together. I mean, literally from Tehran to Beijing to Paris to London to America, they're all the same. That's the irony. Okay, there's no East and West anymore. They're all the same. But it's the technology they have. We don't even know what's in these shots. But what we do know is what they're doing, what they're causing. So again, as we head into the election season, it's already May. And and within the next few months, everyone's going to be focused on, oh, Republican versus Democrat. But take a look at these candidates and ask yourself, have they changed? Have they adopted their strategies and their ideas to the challenges that are confronting us? And no, they haven't. They're the same old, same old. Okay, if you're just talking about abortion, guns, things like that, this is transhumanism. This is a much bigger pro-life issue. So many of these Republicans and phony conservative organizations that say they're pro-life are still promoting the shots. So we're going to go through today some of the latest news that has come out on these shots. And I'll remind you to think about the famous speech from Bill Gates about 10 years ago when he promised to reduce the world population with vaccines. He said that. And it wasn't a slip of the tongue if you look at the entire context of that speech. So I want you to understand that it was we talk about the therapeutics today and the violation of Nuremberg, that sacred code that we adopted. Because remember, a big part of the Holocaust came from the doctors and the scientists. Human experimentation. And just because it was geared towards, you know, certain people back then, so now it's not a matter of targeting Jews or gypsies or whatever. It's targeting anyone who doesn't go along with the transhumanism. You are an undesirable, an undermensch, and you don't deserve to live. So before we delve into that, it's important to note from our sponsor today, Moinkbox, that one of the big ways, if not bigger than biomedical fascism, that they're going to control our body and engage in transhumanism is through the food supply. There's a reason why 60% of U.S. pork production comes from one company owned by the Chinese 
Over the years, they've created a monopoly on food, horrible food that's pro-inflammatory with all sorts of, uh, you know, additives, dyes, antibiotics, sugars, just like they did with healthcare. It's actually a parallel issue. One way you can have the best tasting grass-fed, grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught American salmon, Alaskan salmon, delivered straight to your door every month in a box while actually helping us fight for the cause of food freedom is by signing up for Moinkbox today. That's at moinkbox.com slash conservative. Keep American farming going by signing up today. And if you do sign up, you get just the listeners of this show free filet mignon for one year. That's one year of the best tasting filet mignon uh, you'll ever find, but for a limited time. Again, you could choose the meats delivered to in every box, uh, ribeyes, chicken breasts, pork chops. Uh, you can cancel any time, so it's month to month. And this is going to guarantee the healthiest, best-tasting food that won't give you cancer, autoimmune diseases, and other garbage um, like we find today uh, with the food cartel. So again, it's spelled moinkbox.com slash conservative. Get moinked like I did. Go to moinkbox.com slash conservative to get the best tasting food. Ensure the food supply goes directly to your home and you could fight the monopoly of the food fascist cartel. Okay, I want to start off today with this quote from Klaus Schwab. Okay, take a listen to this clip one. Advancing very fast. But can you imagine that in 10 years when we are sitting here, we have an implant in our uh, brains, and um, I can immediately feel, because you all will have implants, I can, and we measure your, your brain waves, and I can immediately tell you how the people react, or I can feel uh, how the people react um, to your answers. Uh, is it imaginable? Okay, you heard that. Can you imagine 10 years from now we'll be sitting here and have an implant in our brains? Measure your brain waves. So again, I would have laughed at these people in the past, but now I take them serious because they've obviously succeeded beyond our worst nightmare in everything they've done with COVID. So you better take them seriously here. And you never know in which way they're going to implant it. They're not going to say, hey, line up. We're going to implant something that's going to measure your brain waves. No one's going to sign up for that. They're either going to create a crisis or they're going to do it in some way we don't even know. Now I want you to listen to a second clip here from Nicole Schwab. Yes, Nicole is actually a player in the World Economic Forum. She's sitting there at a recent meeting in Switzerland I believe the interview was in March. Take a listen here. She, she's, by the way, the daughter of, uh, of Claus. So take a listen. This crisis has shown us that, first of all, things can shift very rapidly when we put our minds to it and when we feel the immediate emergency to our livelihoods. 
And second, that um, clearly the system, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, that we had before is not sustainable. So I see it as a tremendous opportunity to really to have this great reset and to use this huge flows you know, of money to use the increased levers that policymakers have today in a way that was not possible before to create a change that is not incremental but that we can look back and we can say this is the moment where we really started to position you know, nature at the core of the economy. Taking the point of view of, of business and the economy and looking at where are there opportunities to create jobs and regenerate nature. And there are plenty of opportunities. And this is, again, a mindset of actually innovation, technology, and you know, uh, a business growth can happen with a positive impact of nature and kind of laying out some of these examples. And regenerative agriculture is, of course, a huge part of that as well. And one of the key um, reflection points here is also around engaging youth. And for me, it's again, I come back to this shift in mindset of the restoration generation. Can we conceive of ourselves as humans? I mean, you talked about a new humanity. I think you mentioned it, right? Can we conceive our, of ourselves as a restoration generation? I think that's where we need to go. I'm also hopeful that it's possible, but I think it will take a lot of um, will, both political will, but also in terms of the business actors to break with business as usual, but in a very serious way and to say we need to make very difficult choices. There are trade-offs, but this is our chance. And other and this is about risk and it's about resilience because the shocks are coming are going to be even worse if we don't know, do it now. Clip two. Okay. So there's going to be a new humanity, the restoration generation, being pushed by business actors and shocks are coming. And if you remember uh, Yuval Harari, who is the big advisor to Claus, said a similar thing. So when you start picking up on safety signals from the shots from the therapeutics that they use with COVID, and a bunch of people are dying, just understand this thing was planned, and it's headed to a bigger thing. Obviously, you have Bill Gates saying the worst is yet to come. He said that over the weekend as he pimps his new book on pandemics. Folks, these guys are in control, I'm sorry to say. So we better take them seriously. For the past decade, I didn't take them seriously. I didn't pay attention to them. But I'm not going to make that same mistake twice. So with that, I want to start with the first piece of news. Some of you might have seen it. Earth-shattering data from, from Iceland showing basically a doubling of stillbirths and neonatal deaths within the first year of infants in one year, from 2020 to 2021. Again, earth-shattering. Unbelievable. Now, I first just want to say that anyone who tells you, oh, we've studied this, it's safe with... Uh, pregnant women and nursing women, they are lying to you. It is 100% a false fact misinformation because FDA and Pfizer's own documents say otherwise. So just so you have, there are, there are three important documents here. One is the FDA's summary basis for regulatory action on community. This is a full approval for community. And in that document... 
They say blatantly, missing information. It's a subsection of pharmacovigilance plan for, for Pfizer. And they have three things that are concerning that need pharmacovigilance. And one of them is missing information used in pregnancy and lactation, vaccine effectiveness used in pediatric individuals under 12 years of age. Okay? So, this is a little bizarre here. We just, this this is from November. So, basically, 10 months into using it on pregnant women, and then eventually, in many cases, mandating it, and yet they say missing information. I mean, if you understand the standard for pregnant and nursing women and for children, that we have to have large trials geared specifically towards them, short-term, long-term, it has to affirmatively be proven safe through the scientific method until you approve it. Hence, Advil is not approved for, for women, for pregnant women. Many things, almost nothing is. Okay? Fun fact, hydroxychloroquine is actually one of the few medications that is used in pregnant women for lupus. The world's upside down. Okay, this wasn't like, you know, 2020. Yeah, we don't know yet. This is November 2021 they are saying this. By the way, it's in the same, there's three bullet points in that section there. Another one is important identified risks, anaphylaxis, myocarditis, and pericarditis. And the other one is important potential risk, vaccine-associated enhanced disease, including vaccine-associated enhanced respiratory disease. Basically, VADES or ADE or some version of that, which we're clearly seeing with everyone getting sick, sicker after getting the shot. Says document number one. Number two... Community's purple cap package insert. Okay, this is the label. Okay, the community was given full approval. They were given a BLA. So this is the label insert. This is sacred to a drug manufacturer. This is their writ of passage. It states on it. Okay, you could look it up. Just Google community's in package insert label. And you will find... Available data on community administered to pregnant women are insufficient to inform vaccine-associated risks in pregnancy. Again, it's literally mandated on women who work in healthcare that want to get pregnant, that are pregnant, that are nursing. We don't know. Straight up in the label. Again, and the label was issued when? August, September. And then there's page 10 of Pfizer's informed consent document, which we now have thanks to the FOIA releases. Quote, the effects of the COVID-19 vaccine on sperm, a pregnancy, a fetus, or a nursing child are not known. So those are the three documents you should know of. So anyone who says, oh, no, no, it's, it's safe, it's been, no. That, that, that's straight up from both Pfizer and the FDA that we don't know. So right off the bat, that is a violation of the Nuremberg Code. 
But then we have a bunch of safety signals. And here's the latest. Fretin, F-R-E-T-T-I-N, it's a daily paper in um, Iceland. They publish statistics from uh, Statistics Iceland. Now, Iceland's an interesting country. It's a homogenous, small island, 366,000 people. So it's very easy to pick up on sudden shifts in health outcomes because you, know, you don't have a diverse population. Things are going to be very stagnant. You can imagine small, tiny, very homogenous island country. You're not going to have one-year wild swings in the modern era in infant mortality and things like that. But they found in 2021, again, this is a small. the numbers are going to be small. It's a small country, 17 stillbirths and 35 first-year infant deaths. In 2020, there were just nine stillbirths, so it went from nine to 17, almost doubled, and the number of uh, neonatal deaths went from 19 to 35 in one year. And if you look at it, it's not just 2020, if you look at a 10-year average for dating back to 2010, pretty similar data. So in other words, the average stillbirth rate was two per thousand in the nine years from 2011 to 2020. So it increased 75% in 2021. The increase in uh, perinatal mortality, so that includes both stillbirths and those who die within a week after birth, is up 82% in 2021 compared to the previous nine-year average. And then the number of deaths in infants for the entire first year increased by 100% compared to the nine-year average. Okay, don't we want to look at that? Hey, you know, what, what what's going on there? And the reason why 2020 is important, because, again, there's three eras. There's pre-COVID. There's COVID with the, um, without the vaccine, and then there's COVID with the vaccine. The beauty is, is that there's almost a perfect shutoff, you know, because a lot of data is annual. So, you know, the vaccine was given very early in 2021, but not in 2020. And especially not outside of Israel, U.S., and U.K. Like, Iceland definitely didn't have, you know, some countries did have December 2020. Uh, Iceland did not. Um, they, and In fact, they were a little bit late in the year, you know, a few months in. But then they, they once they started, they got to 70, 80% very, very quickly. You know, it's a small country. So you see that there was zero increase in 2020 with covid but without the shots. So you certainly can't blame it on COVID. Now, could I prove with the scientific method, is this enough to say affirmatively it is the shots? No. But that's not our job. It's their job to show that it isn't a problem. And what, what I, here's what I can tell you. Here's what we do know. What we do know is that it caused a more ubiquitous disruption in menstrual cycles than we've ever seen. What we do know is that the lipid nanoparticles deposit very prominently in the ovaries. And what we do know is that the lipid nanoparticles are extremely pro-inflammatory. There's a great paper in Cell published uh, in November talking about all the cytokines it spawns. And we do know that inflammation in the ovaries ain't good for reproductive health. Right? Those are all facts. So, and then we see this massive increase, just like we saw in Scotland. So, 
yeah, I mean, that's not like proven with the scientific method, but that's not the standard. They have to prove with the scientific method that beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's not a problem. But of course, nothing matters. Now, before we go on, our other sponsor today, Patriot Academy, folks, the final slots are being taken up. So this is your last chance. Three weeks from yesterday, May 22nd, we're having a five-day defensive handgun training course courtesy of Patriot Academy out at NRA's Whittington Center in Colfax County, New Mexico. I will be there. Um, God willing, as other people from the show audience will be as well. So if you want to meet me, get the best company of the best Patriots, and also learn how to properly draw from a holster, how to manip- manipulate your handgun in a gun battle. Um, this is the most quality training. It's rigorous, but it's also fun. It's family-friendly. You could bring kids 11 and over. Um, so, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people are done with school by then. Certainly retirees, you have no excuse. Um, it's 80% off the normal cost, about $500 for the cost of the course. Plus, you got to bring your ammo or you could rent it there. So, again, join me, Rick Green, and Patriot Academy on May 22nd by registering at patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. That's patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. Okay. So, folks, I want, in that vein, I just want to show you there's multiple data points I could go on with. Um, but I'll just mention one more. Josh Gutsko has a um, substack, and he wrote this a while back. He tracked two hospitals had data put out in Israel, and, and, and we saw similar problems. In May 2021, Rambam Hospital in Israel had 42 SBMAs, so that's stillbirths and um, miscarriages, abortions, spontaneous abortions, 42, which was nearly double the average of the May total from the previous two years and 30% higher than the highest number of any month in the previous two years. Okay, that's a pretty big signal. And again, you know, May is 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 when you would expect a lot of that there. Uh, Israel had an earlier take-up than other countries. And the second hospital was Sheba, had its highest SBMA count in June, so right around the same time, with 146. That was 30% higher than the average of the previous two years and 11% higher than the largest number of SBMAs for any month in the previous two years. And again, he notes, since these comparisons include both vaccinated and unvaccinated women, the difference cannot be due to older, less healthy women being vaccinated. You know, Some wanted to say that, oh, well, it's the vaccinated had, no, because it was, it was a mix. Um, so to boil it down, in two different Israeli hospitals, 2021 had witnessed significantly higher rates of stillbirths, miscarriages, and abortions than the previous two years, with some months setting a record for the number of SBMAs compared to 2019-2020. For the one hospital where we do have data comparing vaccinated to unvaccinated women, the rate of SBMAs among vaccinated women is 34% higher than among the unvaccinated. I forget if it was Sheba or Rambam. It was one of the two um, you could look at a substack, but it, it's not just that we're seeing in the abstract higher rates, but they actually broke it down in one hospital. It was 34% higher among the um, the vaccinated. So that's that's that puts a finer point on this data that we are seeing from from Iceland. 
That that's kind of a big deal. Don't you think? Again, perhaps this is what Bill Gates meant when he talked so fondly about his goal of reducing the population. There is no better time to do it than now. And folks, don't think, oh, well, we would know about it more ubiquitously. No, we wouldn't. They are keeping that from us. This, mark my words, this will come out as the greatest disaster you can imagine. It's much worse than we think. And again, this is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, we, we, we already had one study with nursing um, parents. We saw it in Pfizer's own uh, FOIA documents. Now we see that they had problems with, with lactating uh, mothers. So we definitely know this is a huge, huge safety concern. One other point on the pregnancy issue this is from Trial Site News. This is not a peer-reviewed study, and it's informal. But again, you're just we're groping in the dark, and we got to just find what we have. A group in Utah called the Health Independence Alliance, consisting of medical professionals of varied backgrounds. They have like virologists, uh, you know, um, infectious disease doctors, uh, gynecologists. They prepared a report collecting adverse events post COVID nineteen vaccine in Utah. And they have a lot of interesting findings, but among them, they found aggregate data from multiple sources, including a fertility clinic, reveals a marked jump in miscarriage rate from 18% to 40%, right? Because these clinics obviously deal with high risk, so there's a lot of, you know, it's very high. The background, I think, is 18%. It went to 40%. Um, The rest of the adverse events, including the deaths of 109 individuals, including several children, mirrors, uh, the nature of adverse events obtained from the recently released Pfizer trial documents and self-reported data um, from theirs. Real nice. Remember, Denmark announced that they stopped. They're stopping their campaign. And they said, maybe we'll, we'll resume it in the fall when we know whom to give it to and under what circumstances. Now, folks, you don't stop... So. On the paper, they say, oh, well, because we, we have no problems. We're, we're done. We already have people vaccinated. But wait a minute. You don't stop a program that's successful if there's no threat, right? And, and the threat is still there. I mean, COVID's wild, and they're all telling us that, right? So most people are vaccinated, but not everyone. A lot of people have boosters, but certainly not everyone in Denmark. Why would they stop it? If you need... if If you... You've already succeeded because the vaccine was such a success. Keep it going. Why would you stop it? I think we all understand the answer. Now let's go on to, so that's that's women, pregnant women. The other sacred cow is young children. You never, ever go and put things on young children without massive studies. Listen to this New York Times article from a couple days ago. Moderna asked the FDA to authorize this vaccine for children under six, as young as six months old. Moderna said Thursday that it had asked the FDA to authorize its coronavirus vaccine for children under six, making it the first manufacturer to do so. A top official at the company said it would finish submitting data to regulators by May 9th. So that's interesting to begin with. They, they kept saying they, they submitted it, but then they didn't. So they're announcing the announcement of the submission, which is going to be next week. Okay. Now, I would just note that let's not forget, 
Moderna's dosage that they're submitting is 25 micrograms, almost the entire thing of Pfizer for adults. Pfizer didn't get theirs up to snuff yet because they bombed out, and that was three micrograms for, for, for this age bracket. Moderna's doing 25 micrograms. That is literally Joseph Mengele. Um, and they go on to talk about, oh, it's been delayed, and the vaccine wasn't so clear for them. So they go on to say that the FDA has promised to ask its outside advisory panel of experts to review the data. The meeting of the panel has been moved to June. And they talk a little bit about the efficacy. And they note, just reading here, Dr. Paul Burton, Moderna's chief medical officer, said in an interview that data that we have now, they will go in today, should be sufficient for the FDA to begin review. They'll do the right thing. They always have. Well, they're right. They always do their bidding. Moderna's clinical trial data showed that the antibody response of the youngest children compared favorably with that of adult ages. Notice they say the antibody response. And then this is a New York Times article. I want you to read the next words with me. Although the trial was not big enough to measure vaccine effectiveness... Moderna said Thursday the vaccine appeared to be 51% effective against symptomatic infection among those younger than two and 37% effective among those two to five. First of all, originally they said it was 37 and 42, respectively. Now the 42 got bumped to 51 because under 50, it can't be deemed a vaccine. They actually said it was 42. They changed it. And conveniently, it's 51. But wait a minute. So it's 51, 37% effective. But we can't measure vaccine effectiveness because it's not big enough. So you are shoving on children a 25 microgram dose that you say is not a large enough sample size to measure its effectiveness for a va- for a variant that doesn't exist, for a virus that doesn't clinically affect them. When 75% of children, according to CDC, already had the virus, and the heart ailments are insane. And we have roughly 2,000 maladies and ailments associated with the vaccine in Pfizer's nine pages worth of adverse events. Again, how is this not Joseph Mengele? Transhumanism. Okay, this is transhumanism. This is truly sick. So they admit there isn't enough data to know that it's safe for children, but they're going to do it anyway, or it's effective. Not enough of a sample size. Real nice. New York Times article. Unbelievable. And folks, we know that young people are at risk for heart inflammation. Okay? I mentioned this a little bit on Friday. It came out, but this is very important. 
Professor Rutzoff, um, what's his name? This MIT Israeli dude. He works at MIT. He's like an economist. He did a study. It's published in Nature. He had this out months ago. The Israeli government knew about this, I believe, last August and did nothing with it. He found, so he used data from Israel's National Emergency Medical Services, EMS. It's called MDA, Magin David Edom. And they looked at three years, 2019, 2020, and 2021. And they found that EMS calls in the 16 to 39-year population, in that group, there was an increase of 20, over 25% in both the type, both call types, meaning both acute coronary syndrome and cardiac arrest. So coronary syndrome, that's the blockage of blood. Um, that's, I mean, that this has really been associated in a lot of studies to the vaccine, with the vaccine. It was during the period of January to May 2021. That's when you had a vicious take-up of the vaccine in Israel. And they compared that January to May 2021 period to those that same five-month period in 2020 and 2019. Um, they found and, and, and he plotted it on a graph with the vaccine take-up and it correlated, okay, you didn't prove causation, but it correlated perfectly with vaccine take-up, but not with rates of COVID. Okay? Now, I'm going to read to you what, um, so, you know, excerpts from this nature study and you're going to see why this is earth-shattering and it really plows new ground beyond all the things we've already seen. The main finding of this study concerns with increases of over 25% in both the number of cardiac arrest calls and acute coronary syndrome calls of people in the 16 to 39 age group during the COVID-19 vaccination rollout in Israel compared with the same period of time in prior years. Moreover, there is a robust and statistically significant association between the weekly CA, right, this, uh, um, cardiac arrest and acute coronary syndrome call counts, and the rates of first and second vaccine doses administered to the same age group. At the same time, there's no observed statistically significant association between COVID-19 infection rates and the cardiac arrest and acute coronary syndrome call counts. This result is aligned with previous findings, which, which show increases in overall cardiac arrest incidents were not always associated with higher COVID-19 infection rates at a population level, as well as the stability of hospitalization rates related to myocardial infarction, that's heart attacks, throughout the initial COVID-19 wave. These results are also mirrored by a report of increased ED visits with cardiovascular complaints during the vaccination rollout in Germany, as well as increased EMS calls for cardiac incidents in Scotland. And as I've said before, um, they're talking about people dropping in ambulances all over Australia, and there's not enough room to get to them, and there's a wait list. Why? Why? No one's answering why. They note myocarditis is a particularly insidious disease with multiple reported manifestations. There is vast literature that highlights asymptomatic cases of myocarditis, which are often underdiagnosed, as well as cases in which myocarditis can possibly be misdiagnosed as acute coronary syndrome. Moreover, several comprehensive studies demonstrate that myocarditis is a major cause of sudden, sudden unexpected deaths in adults less than 40 years old and assess that it is responsible for 12 to 20% of those sudden deaths. 
Thus, it is a plausible concern that increased rates of myocarditis among young people could lead to an increase in other severe cardiovascular adverse events, such as CA and ACS. Anecdotal evidence suggests that this might not be only a theoretical concern. And again, this study pulls it all together because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Until now, a lot of people are saying, saying, well, Daniel, here's the problem. You have a confounding factor because COVID itself is thrombotic and it, it could cause heart problems. And that's absolutely true. But here's the problem with that. We, we didn't see – people don't suddenly have heart attacks from COVID as the lead symptom. It starts out with a cold, and then if it gets bad, it's you have trouble breathing, but not like chest pains that you have from a heart attack, more of um, pulmonary. It's pulmonary inflammation. What, what, where the cardiac of COVID manifested itself is end-stage COVID in the ICU, it would start affecting the heart. But the notion that you would suddenly have a heart attack without even knowing it, that you had COVID or, or whatever, it, there's no real evidence of that. That that's the myocarditis like things or or blood blockages the um the ACS the coronary syndrome associated with the shots and this really proves it and by the way these were confirmed with EMS diagnosis it's not just someone called for that it's that the the EMS folks diagnosed them with cardiac arrest or ACS so this is a big deal. That explains the sudden calls, and we have this all over. You look at these problems with sudden heart calls, heart-related calls to EMS services. It's also very telling because Israel, see, in America, it's a huge country, and we have decentralized EMS. Every township has its own little thing. It's very hard to have centralized, um, consistent data that you can analyze from month to month and year to year. Whereas in Israel, it's one one-stop shop. MDA is their service, the entire country. They have uniform data. And then also, again, they looked at the year before COVID. They looked at the year of COVID before the vaccine and then COVID with the vaccine. And they only found the problem in 2021. And then moreover, even within 2021, clearly it seemed to correlate very strongly with vaccine take-up and particularly in that age group, not with COVID case rates. And again, we are still shoving it on kids. Don't ask, don't tell. Transhumanism. Again, folks, this is why I can't get excited by these candidates that say, oh, I'm pro-life, and then they refuse to talk about this or downright support the shots, but then say, oh, I'm against mandates. Really? That's okay? This is unbelievable. And it is absolutely disgusting. Now let's go on to the COVID therapeutic studies, okay? The COVID therapeutic studies, remdesivir. Remdesivir was just approved for babies 30 days and up, okay? I could tell you I have information that it is known to these companies that it causes three organs to fail kidney liver and then what's not talked about a lot but is there pancreatic necrosis and at some point i want to get to that there are signals now with increased pancreatic issues 
and and you wonder if it's if it's coming from that but that's gonna be harder to prove because it would be post-hospitalized covid patients you'd have to study but um this is from dr merrill nass she is the one who exposed that the gulf war syndrome in the military was likely due to the anthrax shot she has treated uh, she personally treated Dr. Malone when he had COVID, and she lost her license for doing so in Maine. I want you to listen to what she had to say about remdesivir. Take a listen. First event, and three of the children died. Because there was no control group, it's unclear how either Gilead or the FDA determined that the drug benefited children because there's nothing to compare it to. Um, So on the basis of 53 children who were apparently collected from 37 different sites so that if the drug was really doing something bad, nobody would know it because there was only about one and a half children per site that were part of the trial. Um, For the outpatients, it's recommended for mild or moderate disease. So you don't have to be very sick. Um, You just have to have the expectation that you might get very sick. Whoa. That's a pretty big deal. Over 70% had adverse effects in their tiny, tiny little trial, and three of the 53 children died. 21% had serious adverse effects, and three died. Now, as she notes, we don't have it was a fake. It was a fake trial, literally, no placebo group. So you can't affirmatively say you know, what its rate was over the placebo, but it's hard to imagine three of the 53 children naturally would have died and 21% would have had serious adverse events. Folks, there are no good answers to this. This is a straight-up genocide. You know, I pine for the days when we debated tax rates or certain subsidy rates. I pine for those days when that was the biggest issue. You know, I remember when Bill Clinton was running for office in 1992, and we were terrified, like, oh my gosh, you know, because we were coming off of 12 years of Republican control, the Reagan Revolution, and oh my gosh, the Democrats might win. We all heard of Hillary Clinton. She was the co-promising to be a co-president, how radical she was. I want you guys to listen. This is making its rounds on the internet, just as a flashback to the past. Listen to Bill Clinton's, this is one of Bill Clinton's campaign ads during the 92 campaign, and you're going to get a sense of what we were fighting then to what we're fighting now. Take a listen to none other than Slick Willie himself. Growing up in the South, I learned values, hard work, family, faith, responsibility, concern for others. It's time to restore the dignity of work in America. That's why I've offered a plan to get this economy moving again and to create good jobs. And we must break the cycle of welfare dependency. We need to provide more education and training and childcare and medical services. But then we must insist that when people can work, they must work. I want to end welfare as we know it and restore dignity and self-esteem to every American. Okay, so folks, even Republicans don't really talk like that. That, you know, he wants to end welfare, dignity, work, That's what he was running on. Now, obviously, he lied on a lot of that. Um, 
he certainly wasn't about Southern values, like he said, personally, but publicly, at least that was the image that he was going to evince. This is not from the 1800s, folks. This is in my young lifetime, 1992. This is how far we've fallen. And yet, none of the stupid conservatives have a sense of righteous indignation of how could we have allowed ourselves to fall this far in 30 years and they've not updated their tactics and their strategies. Vote Republican, that's it. A lot of them who criticize us, well, traditionally conservatives didn't like doing this and why are you, you're moving the goalposts, Daniel? Because traditionally we're fighting about freaking tax rates. Now we are dealing with transhumanism. So yes, we're going to have to update the rules of the game. The way we fight, the candidates we need, the message we need, and the issues we focus on. I wanted to give you a sense of how far we've moved. It's unbelievable. Again, this is a man who was signed into law, Defense of Marriage Act, nearly unanimously, don't ask, don't tell. This is how far we've moved. Truly, truly disgusting. So notice how every single therapeutic they've used in an Orwellian fashion, it does the opposite of what they say. So, you know, remdesivir obviously was a death shot. Um, actually, yeah, it was given through IV. And then the, the clot shots, they make the virus worse. They give you the virus. They make you get it multiple times. So the other one is Paxlovid, and there's been a lot of news coming out on that, if you've seen, even percolating into the mainstream media, that it actually extends the time that you have COVID for, and you could test positive, not just test positive, but even exhibit symptoms later on. It almost comes in a second round. Gee, what's behind that? So that's something I'm going to investigate. I don't know the pathophysiology behind that. Um, what I do know is everything they're pushing on us it's more than just making money. That's my point. It's more than just, okay, they got a couple billion dollars from Paxlovid. Just like with the shots, it's transhumanism. They are affecting us. They are destroying our bodies. And we always have to be aware of that. So one interesting piece of information on Paxlovid, again, tied into this same thing that, you know, they're pushing remdesivir and the shots on young kids without any data. I don't mean like reasonable people could disagree. We're talking about literally they say in their label, it's not been studied or we don't have a sufficient sample uh, size. Same thing with Paxlovid. Same thing with Paxlovid. Paxlovid excluded children. Children. This is from uh, Igor Chudov on his uh, Substack. He notes that they had two different trials. One's called EPIC-HR, one's EPIC-SR for Paxlovid in children under 18. They did not test it. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, it's approved for children, but it wasn't tested. Okay? It was not tested in children under 18. Um... There you go. I didn't realize that. And he shows the documentation here. That is pretty astounding. So you're taking a pill that is mixed with an age drug that's contraindicated with half the drug categories around. You know, all these age, age drugs have a lot of side effects. No problem. You can give it to a 30-day-old. 
could give Remdesivir 30 day old, but they will not approve a single one of the multiple dozens of drugs that have a long established safety profile. The other thing he points out with Paxlovid is that they excluded vaccinated people from the trial. Okay, very interesting. They removed them from the trial. Between March 9th and April 5th of 2022, Pfizer decided to change the criteria and excluded all vaccinated people. All vaccinated people. They excluded anyone with, you know, a whole bunch of things. It's straight up, straight up here in their ex- exclusionary, um, you know, they excluded anyone who was expected to receive monoclonal antibody treatment or convalescent plasma, but they also excluded anyone who received a SARS-CoV-2 vaccine within 12 months of screening. Well, what made Pfizer change their criterion? Interesting. Very interesting. I bet you because it didn't work at all with the vaccines. And here's the sick irony. They're the ones who need it. So you know what was funny? Everyone was talking about um, how, what's her name, Kamala Harris was given Paxlovid, which is interesting because I thought she was asymptomatic, so why did she need it? But she, it was only officially approved for people with special conditions. She doesn't have any. She's healthy. She was given it anyway. But the other thing is, it wasn't studied on vaccinated people, and she claims to have gotten four. You see what I mean? We're not governed by the rule of law. We're governed by, by the rule of political will. So even when they blatantly admit it's not approved for this or we didn't study for this, they use it anyway. You go to a pharmacy, you could ask for as many shots as you want. They won't ask proof. You could be on your 10th version of it. They don't care. You go and ask for ivermectin, they'll, they'll basically call the cops. Even though one is fully approved and one's not. But that's the point. We're governed by the rule of the jungle, the rule of political will. We have to operate accordingly. We can't use the traditional methods. You can't fight a three-out inning in a ball game that they cheated for the first eight innings to get themselves 20 points ahead of you. We must do everything possible. But first, we have to understand what we're up against. It's transhumanism. And again, it ties into abortion. I'm not saying that abortion isn't related. I think it started with that, but now they're on to bigger and better things. And you know what is related? You have these bills in the blue states now that, you know, they were early term, midterm, late term abortion, right as it's coming out. And now they're even post-birth. They're pushing, um, allowing you to kill baby. They had a bill like that in Maryland. There's actually a bill in California. Um, Where is this? There is a bill in California, AB, Assembly Bill, 2223. It legalizes murdering the baby, I believe, up to a week after it's born. And the bill passed the the health committee 11 to 3. (laughs) I guess every Democrat, I'm assuming that's a partisan vote. Folks, dude. It would shield a mother from all civil and criminal charges for any actions or omissions related to her pregnancy. 
Um, so it says miscarriage, stillbirth, abortion, or peritoneal, um, a, 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 no, parent, parent, perinatal death. And we just actually said from the Iceland data, that means um, seven days. And it protects anyone who aids or assists a pregnant person. It says person, by the way, in exercising these rights. So, yeah. <laughs> Folks, the broader point here, let me just sum it up. We have to slay our own idols. Okay? In order to find the promised land, the path forward, we cannot continue with the same failed people, failed candidates, failed party, failed movement, failed issues, and failed strategies. You cannot live harmoniously with people like this. This is why I am pushing national divorce. And the way to start getting there is making red states unhospitable to, to leftists. The way they make their areas unhospitable to us. And that's why DeSantis was more right than he probably even realizes in fighting Disney. That's not just punishment for that one issue. It's an end to itself. You have to make it that these values do not stand in this state. Because you cannot live with people who don't view you as human. This is not Tip O'Neill and Reagan, or even Bill Clinton and Gingrich, for that matter. Where you fought Medicare rates, you fought tax rates. You know, you fought over things like tort reform. No. We are living in a different era. And this gets back to uh, Trump. Trump was at a rally stumping for Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, a guy who, by the way, believes in transhumanism, very much so. And then he talked about the guy who endorsed in Ohio. I don't know if you saw that clip. He called him J.P. Mandel, whereas J.D. Vance, who's running against Josh Mandel. Um, so he stumps for Oz, but of course he hasn't stumped for Janice McGeehan in Idaho. You know, at some point, we're going to have to slay that idol, and the time is now. This man has worn out his welcome among all normal, sane conservatives. This man no longer has any use in servicing us and being our standard bearer. He is at best... At times, a distraction, at worst, a, malvin, a, a malfeasant force that undermines every single cause we have, which is why he's promoting the clot shots. I am telling you, him being the nominee is the biggest threat to us, not because the presidency matters. It doesn't. But it will prevent us from getting better governors, red state sanctuaries, national divorce, because people will put all their hopes into him winning as president. And the first step to identifying the proper solution is diagnosing the problem correctly, which is what we do here. And the second step is slaying your own golden calves. Because as long as you think the same failed strategies of redressing that grievance is going to indeed redress it and help, then you're lost. You're never going to solve the issue. So we're going to continue slaying those idols. We don't use anyone else's talking points. We don't, you know, reflexively follow along with any figure, candidate, 
no matter how cool it is, everyone's like, oh, Gorsuch, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, Trump, Trump, no. We're always going to call it the way we see it. And that's why I need you guys to send this show to everyone you know. That's the best way you can help. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes with a comment that helps us get above some of the other Teletubbies and clowns that masquerade as independent conservatives, but they're nothing but a bunch of GOP hacks. Um, This is truly the way to grow a big tent and keep our values at the same time. Um, We'll have some guests coming up later this week that will really be exciting. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all. Stay informed, stay empowered, and stay safe. 